Welcome to the podcast. This is Challenging Leadership, and I'm Stephen Mather. And I'm Jared Scott. Great uh, to have you with us today. So, Jared, today is my choice, my pick. Um, and I just wanted to do something a bit, I suppose, less serious, but actually um, dealing with some pretty big themes. So, it's really the leadership that we see on film and television. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm particularly interested in Star Trek because I've always been a big Star Trek fan. Um, well, you've got so, a fan on the other side of the pond with you yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of, I don't know, universally loved, perhaps not, but um, it is loved by loads and loads of people. So, yeah, I think hopefully a lot of our audience will remember some of the episodes and um, and relate to it. Um, and, and you've also got a couple of examples from other tv and film which is really good because i think that would be good to explore those so we'll we'll keep those hidden stay tuned folks that's coming up um okay so shall i shall i kick off um as it it was my idea Uh, oh by the way um by the time people listen to this it'll be out of date but um happy thanksgiving to you jared Thank you very um, much. It is I'm tomorrow, sure. isn't it? Um, as we record, it is. It is I'm going to stuff myself with turkey tomorrow, <laughs> <laughs> and then do it all again about a month later. Yeah, that's Excellent. right. That's right. Well, you know, we like to hurt ourselves with food sometimes. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. So uh, there was one episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation that I have always sort of gone back to as some really good examples of leadership and. I kind of want to do a training course about it at some point. I might, I might do it um, just as a sort of standalone thing, maybe online. Um, but I think there's one particular episode. But I guess there's a there's a wider question about you know leadership in Star Trek. Um, there's numerous captains uh, that we've seen over the years. Um, obviously, Captain Kirk was the original, I guess, swashbuckling sort of leader um, that young boys would probably look up to. I know I did. Um, Spock is a leader in himself, actually, and, and I, I think he's an interesting leader uh, mm-hmm. character. Then, obviously, we've got Jean-Luc Picard, who's the next generation captain. Mm-hmm. We've got Captain Janeway, first woman captain. Yeah. Um, we've got Cisco, who I find to be one of the most interesting characters um, sure. from Deep Space Nine. And then, you know, we've got the later iteration we've got uh, archer who's from uh, enterprise and then i think uh, the later iterations of star trek probably the, the captain pike resurrection mm-hmm. of him is probably the most interesting from mm-hmm. a leadership perspective as a kind of good yeah. example but i'm going to focus on on uh, picard and a particular episode so the episode is in season two um, of the next generation and it's called pen pals nothing good came out of season one um apart from the show itself i guess i'm shocked we're going to the early episodes to talk about this because <laughs> yeah. i try to forget about season one and season two a little bit yeah <laughs> season i mean season two it started to get better season three and four absolutely they're humming at that point it's but this, just... <laughs> yeah <laughs> but this particular yeah. one um it's quite late on in season two actually so um it's called pen pals and i'll just give you a quick overview of the story because actually leadership is is the theme that is threaded throughout the whole thing um that the title pen pals doesn't really 
uh, give that away. But it really is about leadership. The whole episode is about leadership at different levels. Yeah. Uh, the setting the scene. The story is is that um, they go to investigate a planet that's being destroyed through natural processes. Um, something to do with a, a star, um, and it's it's creating these gravitational forces that are destroying the planet. Um, and of course, in Star Trek, they have this thing called the Prime Directive, which is basically you shouldn't interfere in other planets' development, even if that means saving them. Um, it's a kind of playing God thing, and so they've learned over the years that they shouldn't do that. That basically each planet has to make its own development. Once they get to warp um, capacity, then it's seen as okay. Now they're joining the family of interstellar. Uh, the interstellar community now we can talk to them but up until that point they're supposed to keep away um so they find that there's a there is actually people living there and data ends up talking to this little girl who is she just basically gets on her little radio and says is there anybody out there and, and data answers yes and they then talk so these are the pen pals it's data and this this little girl mm-hmm. who he he becomes friends with and and he talks to her and she comes to sort of rely on him in some in some ways which is quite sweet um but of course this means he's broken the prime directive and now he wants captain uh picard and basically he's asking for the enterprise to intervene and save this planet so that's that's the story it's all around that but then there's this b plot that's going on at the same time which is my original interest in this which is around wesley crusher now i think most star trek fans have a bit of a a love-hate relationship with this character he's not the most loved character the young boy who is a bit irritating particularly in season one yeah, I like I liked him when I was a kid, and then I rewatched yeah. the episodes a few years ago. I was like, I can't stand him. <laughs> so, it changed with me. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's it. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, as he grows up as an actor, um, that the character becomes more interesting. In the, in the early days, he, he was slightly just an irritating boy but i guess it was a route in for people like you and me as kids watching it it was you know we sort of imagine ourselves as him although i don't think i ever really liked him um but anyway um as he's getting older now he's um they're starting to talk about him and he's clearly a prodigy he's um he's earmarked for great things in starfleet um and so what we see in this episode is we see, first of all, what I think is a really good meeting. So there is a meeting where uh, Picard and Riker come in the meeting room and all the other senior team are there. And so Picard says, this is Riker's meeting, basically. He's he's going to take charge of this meeting. So Riker takes charge of the meeting. He owns the meeting. Um, he explains that he's been charged with the development of Wesley Crusher. His mum's Away, so this is the season where Gates McFadden got sacked and um, and then came back a season later. But so in, in the story, she's away and he's on his own really. So mm-hmm. Riker's been given this responsibility, and he says to everybody, "Right, it's my responsibility, but I'm looking for some advice and some feedback from you as a senior team about how we develop this um, this young man into you know ultimately becoming an officer." Um, and they have a really adult conversation in this meeting about how they want to develop this guy, this young man. Um, there's the possibility that he's going to 
be given and he, he eventually is given charge of a of a mission essentially and he's he's going to be given that job to do but they're discussing whether that's the right time for him he's still only a young man um does he have the skills is he going to knock his confidence if he doesn't work there's a lot of discussion around um around that and then Pulaski who's the doctor for this season she sort of says well let's just make sure we're talking about the same thing here are we talking about developing a Starfleet officer or are we talking about um guiding a young man into adulthood um, and Troy actually quite um quite directly contradicts her and says you actually can't do that you can't develop somebody into an adult they have to do that themselves and they have to learn themselves and Pulaski responds um with yeah I, I totally agree with that but I'm just concerned that we we're not you know basically putting him setting him up to fail at such an early age and I just thought that's a great meeting that's the sort of meetings we want in the workplace where you know first of all the leadership's great in the meeting it's a clear goal this is what we want to to achieve from this meeting and that comes from Riker um and then there's open discussion people putting their own opinions forward about whether he's ready or not what the risks are Pulaski brings up quite a contentious point. Troy disagrees with her, but nobody's getting upset. Nobody's getting angry and defensive, and they're just talking to each other like grown-ups. Mm-hmm. And I just think if you want to see a a good lesson of what a meeting should look like, I mean, there's a few slightly hammy, hammy lines in it as far as dialogue is concerned, but sure. I thought that was a really good example of a meeting. I don't, I don't know if you remember that particular episode, Um Jared, I, I briefly remember that. I mean, I'm not trying to say I wipe all those episodes away, but um, I, I do appreciate. <laughs> um, I think Jean Luc showed some uh, definite leadership, but also maybe that fatherly uh, figure for Wesley. Um, there was a couple episodes I think where they were stranded in a cave, and, and mm-hmm. the Captain Picard was uh, was uh, injured, and um, he he gave, it was it was an opportunity for him to uh, throw. Right. Did, you know so i'm i'm yeah. terrible with remembering episode names so you're like yeah that episode <laughs> uh, me too yeah. i i wrote it down because i i can't yeah, remember them exactly. yeah yeah, yeah I, I think um, i mean picard's really interesting in this in this episode because um in a way he's the a plot so that that's mm-hmm. the b plot is wesley's development as a leader he gets to become the leader of that mission and i'll come back to that but the a plot is really about how Picard deals with this situation where Data has essentially broken the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting uh, sort of side point is that Picard obviously work, works really hard. He doesn't get much leisure time. So he, he goes on the holodeck and uh, uh, wants to do some riding. He's, he's, he's got a horse there Um and he's just uh, he's just about to get on it, and he's get disturbed. He gets disturbed first, and then he's back on it again a bit later in the in the show. And um, and Data turns up to talk to him, basically to explain to him what he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think an, another great example there of leadership is the way that Picard responds to that. So this poor guy he was just getting out on his horse for a, a little bit of R and R, and and he's then interrupted again. This time by data admitting he's he's done this thing that really he shouldn't have done. And I just love the way that Picard deals with that. He doesn't shout at him. He doesn't get angry with him. He just asks him questions. Okay, tell me what happens. Um, we're going to have to do something about this. 
your communication has to stop, but we need to now decide what we're going to do. And again, Picard gets the senior team around, and not for the first time in this episode, or not for the last time in this episode, they have a conversation about, right, does the Prime Directive apply in this case? Um, Should we look at breaking the rule of the Prime Directive, actually, because it's, um, it's unethical? And they have different opinions. There's a little bit of aggravation um, during this meeting, I think, um, but still, it's it's handled in a very very adult way. So I, I, again, I think that's a really great example of leadership. You know, it's it's the last thing you wanted, but actually, you're dealing with something now that someone's come to you to talk about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I um, I have uh, I looked at each captain um, okay. for what they were able to do, but the the captain Picard, I guess, the one that stood out to me is uh the measure of a man um and and to me to me that showcased a lot of different avenues of leadership and Mm. uh just kind of like a a plot summary basically it's a a court case uh where jean-luc is representing uh, is representing data and um and then of course uh riker has to represent uh, maddox Mm. the opposition and um it's it's interesting in a lot of ways because of the fact that uh, you know Picard was so committed to ethics and justice, and you saw that throughout most every episode. There was some underlying subplot of him showcasing that, which is very admirable in a leader. Hmm. But the, the the thing that caught me was the fact that you have somebody that he's in charge of um, in in two cases. Here he's responsible for both Riker and and Data, and um, but it's different, you know. Like there's a degree of emotional intelligence that he has to display and not letting his feelings overwhelm the logical progression of the case, mm-hmm. because you've got somebody basically, you know, you could say Riker, why aren't you, you know, why would you do that, you know, and and uh, instead realizing he's got to do what he's got to do in this case because he was picked by a superior. Yeah. And then, uh, and then also, uh, when we have people that we are in charge of in a department um, or in a company, that leadership of, do we have that passion to want to defend and support the people that work with us and for us? Because, I mean, he could have very easily just discarded him. I know that would have ruined the whole plot, <laughs> but <laughs> it showed a side of him. Because here, you know, he he is a uh, he is. I'm not going to say uh, and get attacked by the Trekkies saying he's not a living being, but that was the whole premise of it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, he's just a cyborg, you know, uh, mm. um, or an android is the, is the proper term. But um, anyway, I, I, I was reflecting on that episode. And it made me just think about how many times in life when you're faced with situations where you have somebody in a higher position having certain expectations that perhaps you don't agree with and you have to decide, am I going to defend my employees or am I going to just throw them to the wolves or am mm. I just passive? And you saw that he was anything but passive in this. He was very, very much uh, defending, um, defending data. Absolutely. I mean, he puts his career on the line, doesn't he? He basically yeah. says, no, I'm, I know you're my superior officer, but um, I'm going to take this further up and, you know, whatever happens will happen. He, he just simply cannot, um, do that unethical thing. He he has to stick up for what he knows is right. A, a very admirable quality, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a um, I have a uh, cousin um, 
he he actually uh, was uh, in a situation where he was asked to uh, do some things that were unethical, mm-hmm. and it actually it cost him his career. He got another job, but imagine imagine going, I'm going to do what's right, yeah. and this means that perhaps my uh, my family is going to have a, a dad that doesn't have a job right now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and mm-hmm. it just made me think about there's so many moral quandaries that we face. And you see so many times a failure of leadership because they they tend to look out for their own skin first. Um, I'm not saying yeah. all the time, but but uh, and again, you look at Captain Picard; he did not look out for his own skin. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So so it's 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 interesting because you can get yourself into a lot of trouble sometimes by supporting people that really uh, maybe we're blinded. Our loyalty <laughs> can blind us to. The fact that no, maybe you shouldn't be defending them. <laughs> maybe the higher ups are right. So there's always a balance. Yeah, I think um, it's really important to to be able to. And I think as you get older, you, you become a bit more confident in your in yourself. Clearly, you, I guess you should. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, in that you are willing to stand up for things, you know, and and actually have the confidence to say, yeah, I'm not going to follow that. Um, that directive or um that's not what i'm going to do i mean I've, I've had situations in the past where i felt compromised um in a less serious way I, it's not been a case of you know doing anything un- unethical per se but but just kind of um i suppose compromising to a degree um that i didn't want to about what i think is important so in a in a role going back many years now i was uh, a leadership and management trainer. Well, I was the training and development manager, and part of that role was to to train leaders and managers. Um, and my particular manager got made redundant. I ended up with another manager mm-hmm. who really didn't understand what we did there at all. And she was of the school that um, only the senior leadership team are leaders. And um, so when we talked about leadership and management, she didn't want that to be the name of our first line management course um because they're not leaders the senior leadership team are leaders and everybody else are supervisors or whatever well i mean the irony was is that they actually had the job title team leader so you know it just didn't make any sense whatsoever and i remember um having a a very uncomfortable conversation trying to explain that to her but she wasn't going to have it um now i don't know whether this was the right thing to do or not but i just basically completely ignored her So I didn't, I thought, well, you know, if she really feels that strongly about it, she's going to have to come down to my office and change all the, all the titles for these courses. Um, and I don't think she can be bothered to do that. So I thought I'm just going to ignore and do what I think is right. Um, and it never came back and, and bit me. Um, it was just one of those things. I thought, well, there's no point in arguing with her because she's not going to change her mind. I've, I've explained logically why she's wrong. Um, mm. and, uh, and I, you know, I've, I've stuck to that belief, but that was a really important thing to me because that was the whole, in a way, the whole thrust of the program was sure. You're not going to be making strategic level leadership decisions like a senior, uh, leader might, but you still have a leadership role. If you're managing yeah. 30 people on a production line, then there is leadership, um, there, you know, it's, it's hard to do that job. You want people to do it the right way. You've got goals, you've got KPIs you want people to achieve. Mm. Um, you need some leadership skills in order to achieve that in my view. So 
yeah, so that was one example, I suppose. But yeah, I've, I've never had quite the same level of um, decision to make, uh, you know, that I might lose my job from it. Yeah, that's very realistic, though, isn't it? I mean, mm. definitely. There are, there are individuals who get caught up in just one word. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's it's mind boggling. And, you know, as a leader, we have to be able to push past that. Or what I say is sometimes you have to isolate the problem and just put it over there in the corner and ignore mm. it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it away. Damaging exactly. the rest. <laughs> exactly. Which is, is what, what I did. I thought, you know, she's not going to sack me for that. And, um, yeah. you know, the, the programs were so well appreciated by the business that I thought, you know, there's just no way that, that she's going to um, take it any further. But I thought, I just don't feel right just laying that down because it almost, it made me feel like everything I taught the, the learners was, was, I was, I was going back on that. It was almost like I didn't believe that anymore, you know, and, and I yeah. couldn't do that. Um, yeah, so I, I think we like Jean-Luc. And the, the other um, element of the Pen Pals episode that I wanted to, to feature was was Wesley's um, learning process. So one of the things he was asked to do was, well, he was asked to, to take command of this small team. They were all older than him. So this is something I've talked about on, on my channel before particularly for young managers sometimes that can be very difficult young leaders um, who are being asked to take charge of a team where most of them are older um, that can be sometimes intimidating and he felt that so he goes into the group and he says right we've had this some pseudoscience you know um, babble about this thing that needs uh, he thought we needed to have a special type of scan for this particular thing. And the, one of the guys on the team older than him says, well, you know, we could do that, but it's really a waste of time. It's not going to tell us anything, um, yeah. which is going to be a lot of work and it's not really going to help us. And he just sort of goes, oh, okay. And doesn't say anything, but he's on his mind. He knows that he really wanted that scan doing. So he gets a bit of advice then from, uh, Riker, he talks to Riker and he says, you know, what what, what should I do? And, and they have a bit of a chat. And Riker says, uh, which I always try to live by, um, what would Picard do? <laughs> <laughs> so he said, what yep. would Picard do? And basically he said, well, he'd get the scan because he thinks it's important. And, mm -hmm. you know, so he does. So he goes back to the... Uh, to the the team and and he just says right okay i i definitely want that scan doing please and the guy goes because okay you got it and th that's it and i thought that was great that was a really great example for young managers and leaders and um, sometimes we feel really intimidated and we think it's going to be a big thing and we back down or we we sort of feel like we should back down um but he just assertively said i need that thing doing thank you very much and they responded exactly as as you would expect professionals to, which was okay. Let's do it then. Um, and I think that's a really great learning. Um, ex that's a great learning example actually for every leader, but particularly young ones. So that's um, yeah. that's one. So again, there's a little example of leadership. So I think that episode, if anybody you know watches that again with those goggles on about leadership, that's that's what it's all about. From from Picard to Wesley to Riker. Um, and all, all of the other senior team, I think it's a, it's a great example. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. what are the what are the leaders doing like? And you've got a bit of a um, some others that I I, I think sound great. Oh, well, I mean, actually, I, I wanted to stay on Picard just one okay. more one more thing, um, and I want to be negative. I'm gonna. I, okay. I hope I hope that uh, we don't have 
a, a huge allegiance to him because it might be, but but it, it's uh, it, you know his relationship with the Borg, right? That that was interesting to me. But do you remember um, he let the one Borg go back to his ship, mm. and they could have literally put a virus in him that would have destroyed the whole collective, and of course. Then we won't have any any mention of Borg. I mean, the Riders Republic. Well, we can't do that because then there'd be no other episodes about the Borg. And I loved any episode with the Borg was amazing. Yeah. yeah, my brother used to make like stuff out of Legos and act like he was one of the Borg. And, and anyway, so we got we got a little crazy with that. But he was so tied to his moral compass that he's like, no, it's a living being, and so. You know, and, and, and he probably had no idea the repercussions of that decision would lead to, I mean, if you watch uh, the uh, latest series, Picard, he still struggles. There, there's still a connection there, right? There's this, yeah. this plots. I mean, it's brilliant by the writers because they can keep going back to the Borg when they mm. lose interest with the fans. But um, just from the, the simplicity of this was a real event, it, it shows that even our best laid interest in thinking about how we want to stick to the way we like to do things, that consistency and leadership won't always bring the results that we're looking for. And it may not be an immediate uh, repercussion, but it could happen to us down the road where we think what we're doing with our team or our department um, is is great. And it's uh, initially you're taking care of the surface but underneath it, there's another problem that's brewing that's not being taken care of. So mm. I don't have to go super deep into it, but it was just more about, uh, you know, his his uh, best qualities actually allowed something to happen that wasn't necessarily so good. It's interesting that I mean, it's similar to the decision that Captain Janeway makes at the beginning of, of Voyager, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, should she uh, that they choose to destroy that array that was the, basically the way they could get back home to earth. Um, but that would mean abandoning the, uh, the, the, the people there that, that um, were being attacked by this other group. So she felt a responsibility towards them, but it wasn't really anything to do with her, but she just found herself in that position. It meant wow. that all her crew had to then spend what, five years, whatever, um, yeah. getting back home again. Yeah, interesting. But it's, it's that moral dilemma there, isn't it? You know, should should is. what is the right thing to do? It's it's not always easy. Mm. No, I mean, or even um, the the one where uh, Kirk he uh, he basically marooned Khan. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, that was in the original series, and then uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, movie. You know, Star Lots Trek, of the of Khan. Mm. I mean, so there it came back to bite him, and he lost his his basically his best friend and death and over that situation, and his son. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. right. That's kind of like I don't know they, the the way they. I'm not to go on a sidetrack here, but it was like, yeah, they killed him, and then it was just you know, and of course it was his. He had that inner vengeance and everything, but it was just like, wow, look at all the damage that happened because of his decision mm. earlier on decades before <laughs> yeah so I, I actually as we're on kirk i can't resist it um i i yes i liked the kind of um swashbuckling style of kirk i suppose but i was always 
Um, I think it's really interesting the way that I mean Kirk and Spock are great are a great foil for each other um, clearly because you've got one with the this kind of passion these these human qualities that are applauded in the show and then you've got Spock who is kind of like I suppose um, the antithesis of that and yet they're such good friends I think it's a great you know what a brilliant partnership that has been over the years um, but yeah Kirk um, took such risks I mean some of the episodes. Um, you know, one of the episodes that I noted down was the one where um, he goes, uh, called a piece of the action, it's called. Basically, mm-hmm. there's this uh, planet that's become like Chicago in, you know, in the sort of gang days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, his his solution to that is to essentially tell them that he was going to become the, the gang leader um, and that he'd come back every so often to collect the... Um, you know, the profits from the gang, because that was the only way he could get through to them. So that's why he did it. Mm-hmm. Another one was um, a really big episode, which was A Taste of Armageddon, um, mm-hmm. which is where there's this planet that is constantly at war. It's been at war for hundreds of years, but the war is basically there's a computer that decides how many people and who's going to die. And they just put them in this booth to kill them. Um, So the actual warfare is finished. Nobody actually fights anymore. They've just assumed that that's going to happen. So the computer then decides on the casualty figures. Um, And it's a brilliant idea. It's an absolutely fantastic um, I'll agree for lots of things in the real world, but um, Kirk recognizes that what's happened is they've sanitized war. They've made war too painless. Although people are dying, it's being done in such a, um, a sanitized way that, that actually what they need is to understand what war is really like. But the mm-hmm. the arrogance of a man to go down to another planet and decide this is the answer. I'm going to destroy your computer and your whole culture that you've had for the last hundred years um, and see how you get on. Um, it's pretty breathtaking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I oof. Yeah, I'll tell you what the uh, the 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 um the writing in the original series, the um the the situations that they dealt with were powerful. Yeah. In a lot of cases, you had to look mm. past some of the hokiness. Yeah. Uh, and the really bad fighting <laughs> scripts <laughs> and the stunt men who look nothing like the actual people fighting. Oh, so bad! <laughs> Thank goodness for 480p, you know, because if they remastered it in high definition, you'd be like, oh boy. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You know, uh, as far as I'm actually going to find something good about Captain Kirk. So okay. one of my favorite episodes was the City on the Edge of uh, Forever, and um, where where they have to go back in time. Or they go back in time because they're they're looking after McCoy. They're trying to find him, and they jump through that portal, mm-hmm. and um, and so Spock has to wear the hat to cover up yes, his ears, the beanie hat. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was it was uh, it was really cool, but it was like he had to make a difficult decision involving this woman that he fell in love with, yeah. and uh, and look out for the greater good of how how it would change mm-hmm. change history if she wasn't you know hit by that car. And I'm just like. You know, there because because you know he was going to do everything he could to save a female character in that in that movie show. Yeah, yeah that's the Joan Collins episode, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is a good one. That is a very good one. That was one of my favorites. I always like the time traveling ones. There's lots of um, dilemmas around time. We're getting well away from leadership now, but um, oh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 I, I I circle back to to when we talk about real leadership. Um, you have to make those tough decisions yeah. 
at times where you know that somebody's getting hurt in this. I'm not talking about physical hurt, obviously. Sure. There's, there's going to be, um, you have to think about, you know, what if, what if you had to, uh, you know, do a layoff or you mm. had to, um, you had to promote one person, another person doesn't get promoted. And, uh, the other person that did not get promoted has some great skills. You know, it's, mm. it's just, uh, there's always decisions that have to be made as a leader and, um, to be able to detach yourself from the emotional aspect of it or, one of the ones that I thought about recently, um, I was listening to an audio book um, about, um, about leadership. And um, he said that, you know, you will sometimes forego the pain of maybe you have to move to get rid of somebody. You will, you will forgo that pain because you feel for them. And yet you're allowing your entire department to suffer mm-hmm. because of that, that mm-hmm. one individual, you know, so it's just, yeah, it's uh, the, what, what was uh the uh, Spock saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and that's right. needs of one. And mm. um, so that's, that's a principle that's really strong, but it can definitely be uh, utilized when it comes to even those of us who are in those positions of leadership that have to make those tough decisions. It's quite interesting that Jared, cause that's a, that's a theme that is throughout the whole of the Star Trek uh uh, all, all of the shows and and the films of course as well and um and there's like a it's almost like there's a, a balance there between the logical thing to do which is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few but then there's the human thing to do which is to think about the individual and actually at times you have to make a stand um for the individual um and that is explored Oh, I did infinitum really, <laughs> film after film, and uh, you know I think it's great. So it's a really interesting question, um, and trying trying to get that right is is sometimes very difficult. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. I'm going to have to mention Cisco uh, before we move on to Let's on to the others. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's so Cisco, the forgotten captain. <laughs> well, he he is in a way. I mean, I when I watched Deep Space Nine for the first time when it was first out, I wasn't. Um, it was my least favorite, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. I think mainly because it was um, like the first one was boldly going where no one's gone before. The second one was continuing to boldly go where no one had gone before. But Deep Space Nine was sort of boldly staying put and waiting for the people to come to you. Um, and that didn't sound quite as exciting. But And it was a lot of politics in it, which I wasn't really into at the time and didn't really understand it. But as time's gone on, I, I really appreciate that show more and more. And I think Cisco is a really interesting character. But there is a, a problematic element to, to Cisco in that he his story arc is one that I would recommend no leader to follow because essentially he becomes he starts as a a serious starfleet commander um by the end of it he's become a religious leader um and a a kind of icon of a whole religious planet and um there's some without getting too much into it as you know uh we both know there's um There's risks associated with allowing yourself to become that sort of guru cult leader. Um, and I think, you know, that's something that I've explored in my work at various times. And, and in a way, although it's we very much root for him, you know, he's very much our man. And, and he's, again, he shows some fantastic leadership qualities. Ultimately, there's a, 
there's a lesson there that I, I think we don't want to apply. We don't want to become a cult leader as as a leader. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely agree with you 100% on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Cisco was interesting. He, um, he, uh, I don't want to say he did some shady things too, but I think about um, mm. the murder of the Romulan senator. Oh, yeah. um, and then. Uh, um, Such a great episode, that. Yeah. Yeah, I forget. Was it? In, was that in the pale moonlight? Or um, it, I can't remember. I, I can't remember what that one was called. It yeah. could be. Could there be. was some moral, there, there was a lot of morally complex plots uh, with, with Deep, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And. Um, so, but yeah, he was, he was definitely an interesting person. They all have, they all have their own little nuances. Um, I, I can't get into Star Trek discovery cause I act like it doesn't really exist. I don't know why I just mm. didn't like it, but, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm enjoying getting to know Pike and his leadership qualities. Yeah. The, I agree. Uh, yeah. The, the strange new worlds. Um, it's great. You know, cause he's, he he's barely in the original series, you know? <laughs> yeah, and of course. Not yeah, much, yeah. Not much of him there. So. But they're good stuff. Yeah, well, I, I think he's a good leader. Um, I, I think, yeah, just getting, again, going off piece slightly, I think for me the ep- the episodic nature of the earlier Star Treks makes it easier to explore a one particular facet, like leadership or something, uh, or a, a single dilemma. And I think that's one of the things that we miss when like Discovery is very much around that huge story arc that's going to last a whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I know that has been the way that that uh, series has, have gone, but I think in, in Strange New Worlds, I've kind of gone back to, okay, there is this bigger story at the background, but they're, they're very much standalone episodes, which I think, helps to isolate these specific uh, questions so yeah i I, I tend to agree with you yeah sure right what else we got well uh do you do you want do you want to get away from those of those listeners that are like i don't like star trek (laughs) i think they've already gone mate they're gone (laughs) but yeah let's try something different then all right um well well i um i've got some different characters we can we can get into uh into the ones that um, I say good leadership skills and then maybe poor leadership skills. Okay. And um, Aragorn uh, for uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, he, uh, he showed wisdom, humility, a sense of duty. Um, he was able to rally diverse groups for a central cause. And so um, I look at that character as somebody that, would be an outstanding leader. Yeah, um, when it comes to that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I hate to say it. I'm the person that like I watched the movies but didn't read the books. So, yeah, me, me too. I've, um, I've never. I read The Hobbit to Celine when she was a, a baby or a child, but um, never really got into the books. I have to say, um, yeah, I, I think I agree. I mean, I think Aragorn is. He is your, I suppose, archetypical leader isn't he um uh, i mean there's another there's another question here around um he's sort of he's tall he's strong he's good looking he's got all these kind of manly qualities so mm-hmm. in that respect he's a very old-fashioned type of leader he you know he's a lot of what he does is at the end of a sword so he, he kills a lot of there's yeah. a big body count there um yeah. i mean they're only orcs tr- it's true but still true, um, but... <laughs> so he's quite brutal um but yeah he has all these these admirable qualities so yeah i think i think he is a 
classic leader really yeah how about um all right let's get let's go opposite with that but yeah. also a good leader hermione granger yeah now when you said what that you- i thought that's fascinating so tell us why why hermione is a, a good leader all right well yeah so um you know again we always focus on harry potter and mm-hmm. uh and uh his situation but of course his, his two cohorts definitely have an integral role in that mm-hmm. but she um I think she was very uh, resourceful and um, obviously very intelligent, that quiet intelligence, I think maybe, um, and uh, a dedication to justice. So um, I think when you think about somebody who's a good leader, a leader doesn't necessarily have to have the captain's badge if we want to go back to Star Trek, but it could be somebody that by their, by their qualities, they're able to uh, do things, uh, very powerfully um, and motivate others and also help their friends um, help in this case, you know, I'm not saying we don't have friends as leaders, but help our department, help the people that we're in charge of. And it could be a different way of doing it, not with a uh, sword mm. as in Lord of the Rings, but, but with her um, being able to lead and do it in a different way, you know, through the intelligence but having having that intelligence guided by the passion that you have to do what's right and do what's just. Yeah, I think I think that's a really great example. And um, when my daughter was young, reading the books and watching the films, um, Hermione obviously was her favorite, and I think that's that was really good for her. So there was a a, a young female character that she could look up to and and think, you know, I could be like that. Um, I could aspire to that sort of character so I, I really appreciate that and the writing of, of that character um and she is clearly the leader of, of the three she is the leader mm-hmm. although as you say yeah. the story is around harry potter and all of that um he definitely defers to her judgment most of the time um yeah. because she's the one who has the smarts if you like she can evaluate the issue she can think about what needs to be done and she tends to be the one that drives the uh, the actions of of the rest of the group. So yeah, total spot on. Actually, that is yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. So I, I just uh, I find it I find it fascinating, isn't it? It's interesting how you can look in, in into the entertainment mm. world and literature uh, and fiction, and uh, obviously um, these writers are uh, channeling maybe what they they see as good and bad leadership. Um, I mean, because because it, like it's very you, influential. You, Bad, there's some bad examples in Harry mm. Potter. Too. I was thinking about uh, Dolores Umbridge. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, would you ever want to work for a boss who's full of authoritarianism, uh, cruelty, and a disregard for the well-being of the people? I felt like that was that was her uh, her her uh, her mo was uh, to spread discontent as widely as possible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good good example yeah i was thinking about when you said about writers and um and also you know um art um culture and art i mean obviously there's a feedback mechanism here there's the the writers themselves will have opinions about leadership and um but there's also other considerations like what makes a good story and you know where we can get the action in and all those things as well so it's it's not a pure leadership um lesson but that they clearly have their own opinions about it and i was thinking about the changes over the years um you know if you i've never read the odyssey but my daughter 
did um, some classics in, at university and, you know, she talks about the Odyssey. Um, and you think about those old, uh, those old myths and legends and so on, the characters oh, there. And, and then even just going back 50 or so years to, to the original Star Trek compared to the latest um, iterations of Star Trek, what changes are there that you've seen that, that we can kind of identify in what is considered to be good leadership? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I, I, I go back to uh, Captain Kirk, you know, almost that um, there, there was a TV show not really talking about leadership, but that that 60s um, stereotype Mad Men, you know, like oh, yeah. you got the, mm. the, the, uh, the drinking, smoking, womanizing guy yeah. leader and everything. And we know that's just not the way things should be. Um, but but it was like a, Kirk was definitely in that womanizing uh, role. Um, part of that, and maybe that that fit the uh, the '60s. What what people expected to see on TV, um, and I appreciate I appreciate now, especially uh, recently, we have we have a lot more, uh, um, I guess, uh, focus on the power that uh, that women have, and also their leadership skills, because um, you know our gender has nothing to do with how good of a leader we are. It's it's. Uh, it's, it's totally removed from that. And uh, it's nice to see that because they always say, oh, men are the leaders, you know, <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it's like, yeah, I understand where you're coming with that, but it was mm-hmm. just, you know, d- different, different maybe in that way, even though, even though uh, Gene was very open-minded with his writing back in the sixties, you know, I mean, he, he did some really groundbreaking stuff. We just see now re- with the recent uh, entertainment um, especially with Star Trek, they uh, they've definitely opened it up. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, uh, at the original Star Trek, uh, those those three series, I mean, some of the some of the comments are breathtaking, uh, really around <laughs> um, <laughs> gender roles and so on. It's like, oh, my yeah. God. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean that that has changed a lot. Um, be interesting to get a woman's perspective on this. Maybe at some point we get a guest, um, yeah. and we can we can ask that question. But ask I mean, what she thinks about this? <laughs> yeah, I have asked her actually. I mean, she's very interested in the topic. She also loves Star Trek, um, yeah. so you know she can watch these older ones. But obviously, there's a there's a gasp every now and again. You know, when certain yeah. things are said. Um, yeah. You know, they they broke barriers that we know about the first interracial kiss um we know about the fact that there were women on the bridge um but still they you know uhura was i mean groundbreaking uh, mm-hmm. for its day but basically she was the telephone operator you know and that is you know was really as far as it went actually yeah yeah um, well they definitely you know um and, and I hope I don't, I keep worrying about getting attacked by the Star Trek purists and everything, but I actually like the, 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 uh, first, the first movie they redid. It was in 2009, um, with the, with the new, the new Star Trek, uh, kind of like a reboot. If, yeah, as it were. I liked it. Yeah. But you know, they gave, they gave Uhura a, a more powerful role in that, yeah. um, and you could see how the dynamic changed on the bridge mm. and how everybody worked with each other. They, they definitely, uh, they carried the original series modernization of it, I guess you could say. So yeah, I, I liked it. I have friends at work that are like, I can't believe you like that. It's terrible. Yeah, it's awful. I know. Like, 
I like the way the Enterprise looks. <laughs> no, <laughs> but... I mean, I was so excited. Even now, um, there's a there's a DVD that I yes, I still use DVDs. Um, there's a DVD that I've got of, of another film, and there's the adverts for uh, Star Trek um, that the first uh, re reboot, uh, mm-hmm. and um, it just makes me gives me goosebumps even now. Just watching yeah. that, it's like because they're make they're engineering the Enterprise. You know, you see that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just absolutely exciting. So yeah, I love the first one. I must say, I didn't like the the last um, film yeah. uh, with the with the new crew. I just I just found it, it didn't really do anything for me. But yeah, I like yeah. the first one very much. Yeah, um, yeah. but I, I think um, I, I know there's a there's a there is a lot of politics around Star Trek now. Um, mm there's lots of people who seem to think that star trek's being taken over by the woke mob and yeah. um they're not very happy about some of the messaging and the, the mm-hmm. diversity and so on um which i find strange in many ways because star trek has always as we've said it it's always pushed that envelope whether you agree with everything or not um, oh, it's hate, always been doing mail, that. Hate mail that's uh was it cbs or uh whoever got back when kirk kissed Ahura. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Was, there was like death threats and things like that. Exactly. So it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. We, we live in the present and we forget about that the past had its similar absolutely. reactions. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, but, but I mean, but if you're looking at leadership as a whole, I find it fascinating because leadership has to, it sometimes uh, be edgy. It has to break the boundaries. There has to be some creativity with leadership because if you just do the old stale, classic leadership 101 um it's not going to work right for everybody you have to be able to be flexible for the situations have have your center point i guess where you're like hey this is where i'm going to go back to but when you're dealing with different personalities and different situations that come up whatever it may be that's why i like star trek as an example because of the fact that it 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 shows us that you know you don't have to use a one-size-fits-all approach Mm. Um, which yeah. is where they've gotten away from. Kirk was that kind of one size fits all, but um, you know, even even uh, Captain Jean Luc Picard, he he was able to rely on other leaders such as Riker or the Doctor or whoever it may be in order to mm-hmm. get what needed to be done done and accomplished. So, yeah, I think we're our modern modern leaders are more like Spock than they are Kirk. I mean, that would be my um, slightly risque. Um, or slightly controversial uh, assertion. I think I think we now value what Spock brings to leadership more than we perhaps value what Kirk does. At least in theory, in in practice, maybe that's different. You know, so you would say Kirk is your typical charismatic sort of leader. Um, his confidence and his um, his self belief, I suppose, is is part of that package. Um. Whereas Spock brings rational thinking, problem solving, intelligence to to the table, and, and for me, he was more of what I would consider to be a modern leader um, than Kirk. But you know, if you think about politics or you think about other areas, then still people seem to go for leaders who have that charis- charismatic sort of ability to, you know, sort of create this vision even if it's an unrealistic one um they seem able to to get people to follow them so it's quite interesting actually i think there is a there is a gap between what we see in industry and what we see in the political sphere if you think about leadership 
it's it's so true. I, I like how you keep bringing up uh, Spock because what I appreciate about that dynamic between him and Kirk is that not only were they friends, but they um, they kind of checked each other, mm. um, and that's that's where you uh, you need that in leadership. It may not be in the leadership structure where you can have somebody who's an equal cohort to you, um, who um, who you can banter off of and say I say good cop bad cop. Yeah, but if you if you get into a position where you have that I don't want to say absolute authority, but you kind of reign free, then the danger is is that you have nobody to check yourself. Yeah. So you either have to be um, in the position where you're willing to receive uh, feedback from the ones that you lead and be able to take it openly and honestly and not feel retaliatory towards them um, or or what may be, um, but also or have somebody that perhaps is in an equal position somewhere else that you can bounce ideas off of, but I always appreciated us. Spock and Kirk didn't always agree or get along with uh, what needed to be done, but you, you need that resistance. You need that um, turmoil, mm. uh, yin and yang, if you want to call it that yeah. to, to be able to do what's best. Um, it helps refine you. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, totally. Agree. And despite Kirk's um, strength of personality, he, he did listen to the, uh, to Spock and, and others. So yeah, I think that is a good example as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we've managed to, um, to, to talk about that topic for nearly an hour. Uh, How about that? I could have gone on really, but, uh, yeah. So very interesting. Um, if you as a listener want us to sort of get into, into other, uh, fictional leadership and, uh, management examples, and we're happy to take suggestions. Um, I think, they are they are a cultural representation of where the people writing at the time see us as a as a species i suppose and and that includes the way we lead each other so it's a great window into what we think leadership should be at whatever time it was written so yeah it's it gives us some insight i think yeah very well said cool all right well thank you very much and um, have a nice um holidays um Thank you very much for for, uh, for talking today, Jared. And thank you very much, listeners, for tuning in. Um, don't forget to to do the likey thing on the uh, on that little tick there. Uh, subscribe if you're watching this on on YouTube, and make some comments because we we we'd like to see a few more comments on there, um, and then we can sort of interact with you. So, and also if you've got any topics you'd like us to cover, then by all means suggest them. Bye for now. See you later.